Four counselors here at Faithful and True are all women who are betrayed by their husbands in their marriages. And yet today, they all remain happily married to that man. How's that possible? Today on the Faithful and True Podcast. experts that we have on staff here at Faithful and True in discussing uh, the wife's perspective on uh, when it's right to stay or when it's right to leave uh, when your husband is struggling with sexual purity issues. And Beth, I believe you were going to start us off with the story. Yeah. So um, one of the things that comes up a lot is this idea of how we can respect ourselves and stay. And in the early days of our story, um, we were actually a couple of years in. Someone said to me, um, at some point, you're going to have to tell me how a self-respecting woman can stay Mm -hmm. in this marriage. And of course, that delivery was incredibly painful, right? And after I kind of found my way through some of the sting of that, and that took a while, what I can say is that question was really important. And I had to begin to ask myself, okay, so, um, and I had been asking, and that, that was my answer actually, was, okay, here's what I've been doing to trust myself, to know that, as we've said in an earlier podcast in this series, I've had the freedom to leave and the freedom to stay. And here are some of the reasons why I am learning to believe that I can respect myself and stay. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, have, I end up hearing that question in one form or another from a lot of the women that I work with. You know, it often starts out with something like, boy, I had judgment about women who would stay, mm-hmm. or I never yeah. thought I would stay. Um, is it okay for me to stay? And so today, we're going to talk about what are some of the things that, as we're seeking to be wise women, that we can um, notice that are, can be a part of the situation that help us to stay for good, healthy reasons. And I want to I just validate. I, I think what is true for many women is they actually have voices encouraging them to leave, that people who love them, people who care about them, maybe family members. I'm familiar with this situation. It's complex because her family is really encouraging her to go. Mm -hmm. So I just want to acknowledge from the men's perspective, the complexity of this decision of even staying can be very difficult when you have these alternative voices. Mm -hmm. And Greg, I was remiss in not introducing, you know, we're on such a roll here doing part three of a three-part series, but the the four wise women that we have on our panel are Deb Laser, the uh, director of Faithful and True, Elizabeth Hardesty, one of our uh, counselors here, Beth Miller, uh, 
who is together uh, the wife of Greg Miller <laughs> and uh, director of our workshops. And uh, on the phone, uh, out of sight, but we're going to be posting her photo on here, is Susie Smith, another one of our very talented uh, counselors. So welcome again, ladies. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. You were going to say something, Greg? Well, yeah, just yeah. The, the validating that there are women out there who are being directed and encouraged not to stay. Mm -hmm. So that can create a complexity mm -hmm. to the decision. I would say that that is so true. I, I speak with many women who even are coming from their pastor's session or their own a therapist session with someone else who have advised them to leave. Mm -hmm. So even the professionals sometimes are advising that. And certainly mm -hmm. family members who I think um, find it very hard to watch their their loved one, their daughter, granddaughter, whatever, be in so much pain, um, are often quick also to to give advice to just leave, you know, so that she could get mm -hmm. on with being happier. So mm -hmm. you are right. We're still hearing that way too often, in my opinion, not giving women the opportunity to enter into some kind of journey of her own to make that decision when it's right for her, whether it's to stay or leave. So um, that's really where we start. We, we want her to have the space to really clearly make that decision mm -hmm. for herself. One thing that we learn a lot here is, is learning how to trust ourselves mm -hmm. and, and what that even looks like, what that means. And so I think that was um, just part of this process for me was what would it even look like? Be because I really didn't have a, a compass of how to trust myself. Um, in making this decision. Mm. But that really was something over time that I, I really, I knew. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in previous podcasts, but I knew something was happening. You know, something was happening. And um, it was just this deep knowing mm. that, that, um, that this, was, this was transformation, this, this was change, and that I could trust that. I, I could mm. just be at peace with that. And, and it didn't mean I have to made, make big decisions, mm -hmm. but just the next right decision mm -hmm. um, in terms of choosing to stay. When I really, when I first came in here, I, I really didn't know if that would ever be where I would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Susie, what are you needing out long, there on the phone? <laughs> yeah, long, long, long before I ever uh, really knew what my decision about was going to be about staying, I, I think one of the things that was just a huge, enormous gift to me was to um, hear um, the voice, and a lot of that was you, Debbie, that it's possible to stay. Mm -hmm. This is that this is a possibility. You know that people uh, have this happen in their marriages, and and it can it can be healed, and uh, that that's available to you both if you both are willing to engage in the work. Mm -hmm. And you know to have somebody in my life who had been where I now was, they had once been in that same place and they had navigated it and they had um, been able to put their relationship back together and actually thrive and grow uh, was, I was like, at first kind of sarcastic, well, good for you. But <laughs> hugely also, you know, hugely also just really grateful to have that model, mm -hmm. being modeled to me. I want to say that um, one of the first things that I think helps us to even consider some kind of a journey of staying would be um, education about addiction. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that leads other people to ask the question like they did to you, Beth, mm -hmm. how could a respectful woman stay is that 
they have a belief system about what it means to be betrayed mm-hmm. by someone. And the belief system would probably say something like, you're not very well, you're not being loved well, you're not being cared for well, they care about other, other women, other things other than you, and how could you tolerate that? Mm-hmm. But an addiction education will help us to know that this really isn't about us. Other, others' behaviors are about managing pain and shame, as you're saying, mm-hmm. in their life from their own woundedness. Mm-hmm. And it really isn't about not caring and loving a, a you. And that's mm-hmm. a very hard concept for people who haven't taken time to be educated about addiction to believe. Um, that started for me, thankfully, very early on. Because when Mark was in inpatient treatment and I was invited for family week, that week was filled with education opportunities and meeting with therapists and psychologists um, and psychiatrists to uh, begin to be exposed to other belief systems other than the ones I carried. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know how a woman does ever stay if she doesn't grasp the truth about addiction. Uh, that That's a pretty profound statement I'm making, but I think it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the only other way would be to not respect yourself enough not believe you're worthy mm-hmm. enough, and to take whatever you take in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it needs to be that. It's not, it's not either or. You right. know? So I, I think the both and is we can know that we don't like the choices that have been made, that they are hurtful, mm-hmm. there's truth about that, and that they really weren't intended to hurt us personally. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard concept, I think, for people to understand. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that we talk about a lot in terms of how we can stay is experiencing our spouse differently. And that might sound kind of nebulous, but it's just this intuitive knowing. And I had that sense that I was over time, and again, we separated for about six months, so this was, you know, it took some unfolding I was experiencing Greg differently. Mm-hmm. His behavior, the way he interacted with me, with our kids, um, the way that he was internally motivated to be well. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched those things over and over. I, it wasn't perfect, and it was good, and it was different. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'm now realizing is I was experiencing myself differently, too. hmm and that's what was so encouraging. I was feeling empowered and equipped that I could make a good, healthy choice. That, like we referenced in an earlier podcast, while I, I didn't have a choice about what had happened, I absolutely had choices about what I could do moving forward. And I could get into therapy. And I could get into a group, which I did. Um, did you know all of those things, mm-hmm. and and that was so yeah. encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. Susie, is there anything more you want to add? From one of the things I would say is one of the changes I saw in Russ was this uh, over time, right? Change in his emotional presence, mm-hmm. and I remember during his. Uh, our early years of our marriage, constantly asking him, is something wrong? You know, is something wrong? I just had a intuitive sense that he wasn't, he wasn't with us. And, and, um, 
he would answer no because he didn't have an awareness himself of, of what was happening. But as he became um, invested in recovery and willing to do whatever it takes, that's a phrase we use a lot, he also said to me, I want to, I desire to make my life an open book to you. I'm mm. like, I have nothing to hide. I want to I want to hide nothing from you. Um, I started to feel this emotional presence from him that I had not felt before, and it was really good. Mm. And it it became a real um, a real encouragement to me. Mm. I know a big question that I had, and I think a, a big question many of the wives have is why. You know, why? Why did this happen? Why did you mm-hmm. choose these things? Um, and I think that's a big question for a lot of the men, too. You know, mm-hmm. why? Why Why did I do these things? Why am I doing these things? And so I know that was a, that was a huge thing for me as well, was just um, seeing that Chris was willing to go after the why. Mm-hmm. And, and I, Greg, I'm sure you could speak more eloquently to that, of what all that entails. No, but what I would say is there is a complexity to that because why is never about blaming. And so sometimes those conversations between a husband and a wife need to, they must be timed well, because if the husband isn't able to share it well, it does come across as blaming my past or blaming this experience. And if the wife isn't in a place to hear it, she may hear it as blame. Mm-hmm. But I do know that th- that can be a very meaningful conversation in a marriage when they're able to engage that question of why, not from a place of blame, and not for the husband to lessen his responsibility, but to increase his responsibility through ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, one, one thing I, I believe is true is that if a wife were to just Google sex addiction, most of the information that comes up initially is not hopeful. I mean, it basically says this is going to define him the rest of his life. If you stay with him, it's going to define your life. So for those wives who are starting to experience these shifts and and maybe even opening to stay, but also have this voice of Mr. Google Mm -hmm. that there may not be hope, how do you invite them to consider the possibility of hope when there's not a guarantee about the future? Well, I'll I'll jump in. We're all rolling our eyes. So this this, this was a tough question. (laughs) I think basically it's a spiritual question. Um, And it's trusting that in all things God uses our pain to grow us up and to lead us into something better. And we don't always know what that will be or when that will be or how that will happen. But again, small steps, the next right steps, finding community, others that understand our, our journey as well. And leaning into that, trusting ourselves, listening to the spirit within for what those steps are, slowly, slowly leads us, I know, to a place where we actually do experience what in the clinical world would be called post-traumatic growth, Mm -hmm. or in all of our scripture is God's reminder, I won't waste your pain. Mm -hmm. And I think when we can connect to that truth, we can relax a little more and not having to watch everything so closely and making decisions about every little thing that happens along the way. Um, but learning really how, how more so to focus on who I am when everything comes along. You know, we can focus on, well, you know what? He chose to watch another movie last night, and he didn't dart his eyes quite fast enough when that scene came on. And, you know, and we can get stuck with watching what others are doing and making interpretations of that, and then we make a decision about whether we're going to stay or leave. 
Um, but I say if you want to stay in it for a while and learn something for yourself and know what God has in, in terms of your growth in these hard things, the question might be, what did I do when he didn't dart his eyes in the movie? What was my response then? And did I like who I was when I responded that way? Or do I want to work on something different so that I like who I am and in turn respect who I am as a woman mm -hmm. and start connecting more to my value and worth as a person? Mm -hmm. So there is so much to learn. And I think if we choose to stay and get into an environment where we can be helped to look at life for a time from this perspective, mm -hmm. and our husbands are doing the same, what we're finding is we're both growing, and, and, we're, and then we can share those things. That It's not about what I saw you do today, but you know what I learned about myself today? Mm -hmm. is This is how I do this, and that's what I started to think about that. And we can start to have these intimate conversations we talk about, which leads to an incredible amount of emotional and spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. That's what we're hoping mm -hmm. for. And in my opinion, if we stay long enough with the right kind of help, helping us to focus on the right things, we, we can be led to what God has in plan here for some very traumatic things that mm -hmm. happen in our life. Yeah. I think one of the things that I really appreciate about what you're saying is this idea that as we're moving through this and doing each of us is doing our work, we're becoming more partners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I've heard you say that, Deb, over and over over the years, that ideally um, we are partners in becoming more and more of who God has made us to be. And that doesn't mean that we're minimizing anyone's behavior or the impact of someone's choices. And we're recognizing that um, as we are both seeking to be well, we each have things we can own. We each have work we need to do. Again, it doesn't minimize anything. You know, nothing changes the moral order. What's, what was wrong was wrong. And mm -hmm. um, I think that was one of the reasons that I began to recognize uh, this. Greg was changing, and I could be on a path of transformational mm -hmm. growth as well. And I, I love... Um, it's Richard Rohr who says, if we don't transform our, our pain, we will transmit it. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's an option. I can just choose my pain to leak out, you know, onto others or seep into a place of depression or, you know, negatively impacting my body. Or I can choose to lean in and allow what's happened to transform mm -hmm. me. And that, that can be, you know, if, if my partner's making those good choices, too, that can be some very healthy groundwork on which to stay. Mm. I want to make, oh, go ahead. Oh, just, I, just, I just love that. I just think that's so important because I think it, 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 it's, it's, it's not a guarantee, right, of our marriages. Mm -hmm. It's not a guarantee. But, but, man, we have such an opportunity here. And I remember hearing this from Debbie early on that, that sometimes some wives at some point will say they are thankful even thankful for this journey. And I thought, who is this woman? Yeah. <laughs> She's, crazy. She's crazy. But you know what? I mean, because that happened to me, Beth. I mean, for like what you just said from Richard Rohr, I mean, for over 10 years, the pain, it, it leaked out. It, it was mm -hmm. transmitted. And coming through the doors here, the opportunity for transformation for myself. There was really a surrendering of Chris. I didn't know what he was going to choose, but there was an invitation for me 
that there was healing, that there was transformation. And I just needed to say amen to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me add that. I'm conscious um, right now. Sorry, Susie, I'm, I keep stepping I'm, on your conversation. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm conscious right now that there could be a wife listening to our podcast who is kind of angry to think that she um, she's being asked to change. Hmm. And I, I want to just briefly speak to that. You know, we get to be wherever we're at. Mm-hmm. And there is a timing element to this. When our, when our pain is first new, I think the first thing we need is to really be heard and validated Yes, mm-hmm. that, that our pain is worthwhile and, and we are hurting. And then we have these opportunities that we're talking about mm-hmm. here for I'm, yeah, transformation really, ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you brought that up, Susie, because I'm, I'm well aware that, you know, for those of us who are further along in our life and experiences and transforming pain and mm-hmm. all of that, we can get so excited about that because it is so scriptural as well. I think it confirms our faith journey. And we don't want to forget the, the total despair that we have felt and needed to be heard about in the beginning of our journeys. Mm-hmm. And the timing is absolutely important in that, that we take enough time to have that, that people understand that is the only thing we're focusing on today. Please don't tell me one more thing I need to change right now. <laughs> I'm going to be mad and sad and scared, and that's all I want you to yeah. listen to. Mm-hmm. And and we do that here as well. Mm-hmm. And so I want our listeners to know that we're, yeah. we're very aware that being a good listener and having had someone like that in our life is what helped us stay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think if we hadn't had that, we would have stayed in the journey. Right. And so mm-hmm. um, we're very mindful right. of that. Some of you might be old enough to remember the old um, Warner Brothers cartoon character, Wiley Coyote. And, you know, there's a regular scene that occurs where the steamroller plows over the coyote and he peels himself off the ground and he's two-dimensional, you know, kind (laughs) of teetering around. And that's honestly how I felt in the early days. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I'm just peeling myself off the ground. And this is so true. If anyone had started talking to me about transformational growth, (laughs) when I was just trying to, like, get food on the table for my kids, Mm -hmm. you know, and take a shower and, you know, remember some of the basic necessities. That's absolutely um, important to say. It takes a while to become more 3D, if you will, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. to kind of come back into ourselves that we're open to this. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think that's that's a really Mm -hmm. important piece. And it's probably important to say once again, the encouragement to do this other kind of work, to work on what we might want to change for ourselves, is not again because we caused somebody else's addiction. We didn't cause it, as they always say in our field, we can't control it and we can't cure it. Um, And we are a partner in a relationship. And in all relationships, we have the opportunity to change some things to enrich that relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's a separate journey all in its own. We're not Mm -hmm. responsible for our husband's sobriety. There's no amount of sex we can give him or whatever to keep him pure. There's no amount of affirmations that will make him have better self-esteem. You know, Mm -hmm. it's his job is an internal job Mm -hmm. and it's not our job. Can we show up and support and can we become partners um, by experiencing some similar kinds of things? For instance, I think I shared a story in my book 
about how when I realized that one of the ways I coped with pain in my life was withdrawing and not talking. And while I had been, I was aware of that, we talked about that in counseling, I was working on that, um, many, many months into recovery, something happened, I don't even remember specifically what, and I went straight to my room and withdrew for hours on end, mm. and I thought, here I am again doing mm. this very thing I don't want to do. Mark has no idea what just went on that made me so sad mm. or mad or whichever I was that I withdrew. Um, but it helped me be a partner to him because mm -hmm. it's like here we are asking him to give up something that helped him deal with his pain and to never go back to it again. No mm -hmm. slips, no relapses, no nothing. And yet here I am with something I, I've been more or less encouraged to change and I'm doing it now mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things as we partner with each other help us build empathy. And perhaps a little bit of tolerance. We have to decide what we will tolerate and what mm -hmm. we won't. And I'm not saying we need to tolerate slips and slides necessarily. But some of those things that are very damaging to ourselves and others, we, we want to go after working as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Well, I, I just want to thank all four of you for being a part of this ongoing conversation and just acknowledging the complexity of this issue. And, you know, one of the things that is true is anytime that we're we're faced with a significant decision about the future. I often say to the men, the one thing that we need in order to be absolutely safe is knowledge of the future, and that's the one thing we can't have. Mm -hmm. So for any of us that are looking towards the future with anxiety and fear, there is this hope that no matter what waits for us, that God is already there waiting for us, and God's grace and God's love is big enough to sustain us. Mm -hmm. And so that's our hope. Not that things will be perfect, mm -hmm. not that things will even work out, or not that our spouse will ever do or not do this thing, but that no matter what is there, God is big enough and loving enough to be with us. Yeah. So thanks for your time, your, your expertise, your experiences, all that you bring to ministry and service and your professionalism here at Faithful and True. So thank you very Thanks, much. Yeah. Absolutely. And we thank, thank you, you for listening and watching these podcasts. We're, we're proud of uh, to be able to bring uh, this guidance and encouragement to you in your life. Uh, we hope that you have discovered the Faithful and True channel. And if so, we invite you to subscribe and to like these episodes, if you will. And uh, if you are a person that likes to listen to podcasts, uh, they are available wherever you find your favorite podcast. You can find the Faithful and True podcast. So we invite you to do that as well. And until we see you again next week, we'd like to, uh, we, we hope that this coming week for you is going to be a week that is just filled with many blessings and with great vision. Mm -hmm.